Welcome back to the Mental Health Commute. This is Dr. Walt Duffy with Matt Duffy. And today we are going to talk about silence is deafening. We did talk on episode eight about filling the silence and the silence of ums. While we were talking about TMS last episode, Matt made a comment regarding silence is deafening. I thought that was really interesting because it really is in many ways. Matt, will you tell us about those silent rooms? There's a couple chambers in the U.S. where people will go in and see how long they can stay and what happens. Yeah, so there's some chambers in the U.S. and I'm sure other places in the world, and I don't know how to pronounce what (laughs) what they're called. (laughs) Rooms designed to be completely silent. So you go in them and they say after a a couple minutes in there, you can start to hear your own heartbeat, hear the blood flowing through your veins, hear your bones grinding as you move. It's a a silent environment, but it creates internal noise. Because there must not be any echo in the room. There's just like total nothing. No, total nothing. They figured out a way that if you talk, the sound doesn't come back to you. Somehow everything gets absorbed into the walls or... You know, people smarter than us figured out how to do this. They say the longest person has ever been able to last in the room is 45 minutes. Most people are much shorter than that. You you come out of the room, you lose your balance. You stay in too long, you start hallucinating because our bodies are just not designed to have no external stimulus coming into them. But when you were talking last episode and you make that comment about silence is deafening, my mind just started going back into thinking about therapy sessions, treatment sessions, talking with people, relationships, and silence really is deafening. You know, it's an action that somebody takes. Sometimes it's an action they take because they don't know how to get past it. They're in a very uncomfortable situation. They feel socially anxious. They might want to talk, but they just can't get themselves to talk. Other times, somebody might be holding back, right? They just aren't going <laughs> to say anything. <laughs> One of the things that happens in when we're in treatment, as a psychiatrist and therapist, you get trained to how to be comfortable being in silence because silence is uncomfortable, and it can get people to talk. Yeah, silence in our culture especially is something we're not— raised to deal with in a a way that it's comfortable. It it spans everything, right? They say, you know, negotiations, the first person to talk loses. So it's just who can stay silent longer. In relationships, they can talk about weaponizing silence. You think, oh, yelling would be the worst thing, but sometimes silence is the worst thing if the other person just won't engage or shuts you out. Or There's all these negative connotations or ways to use this uh, silence in ways that you don't think about in terms of, well, if you're talking, it's, it's different. And why is silence such a impactful thing to other people and ourselves if we're experiencing it a lot? comes to my mind right now is people in treatment, and one specific instance I can think of that has happened recently is somebody coming in, not very talkative in treatment, a lot of silence during sessions, and I can tell we're both probably myself and another person in the room were sort of uncomfortable with that, but it's part of the treatment process. People are pretty quick sometimes to guess what's behind the silence. What does the silence mean? And they will put their own sort of projection on what is going on in the other person, right? They just don't want to talk to me, or 
you know, they're not interested. And a lot of times if you give it time and you have time to give it time, there'll be multiple layers, like multiple layers of the onion that you need to be able to sort of sit through, sift through, and give them time to unpeel. And that time to unpeel is very different for different people. And this one example, person came off maybe as pretty gruff, tough, all of a sudden through some of the treatments, and they were in other treatments also, you started noticing a little tear here and there throughout the treatment. Still silent, but a little tear here and there. So all of a sudden, what somebody might perceive as somebody being rough and tough, what's that from, you know? There's something else there. But if you pry too soon, uh, you shut down and you throw back the tear inside and it never comes back out again because you haven't created that safety spot like we talked about before. Silence is a very powerful tool that you use to gather information in therapy and in treatment. And I think in relationships also, there's multiple reasons people can be silent. They might be having a difficult day at work and other things rather than just interpret, you know, well, (laughs) maybe they're mad at me. (laughs) There might be something else going on, but if you never ask, you never know. We have a lot of things in relationships where people presume what each other thinks but they never talk about it. And those assumptions become fact, you know, quote unquote, become fact. Part of breaking the silence becomes important. Yeah, there was a another podcast I went on a couple years ago that this is reminding me of where they asked me the question that was basically, how do we handle mental health better? Nobody has the answer, <laughs> right? But what I said is what people don't really get a lot of the times is a true feeling that someone wants to understand, right? So it's common for people to initiate conversations. How was your day? How are things going? Hey, what's new in your life? And the assumed response that people think the other person wants is the fairy dust and unicorns and rainbows, right? I'm not really asking, what are your problems? I'm just initiating the conversation. So I just want the fine. I want the, oh, things are good. Nothing's new. Or if there's something new, I want the excitement, right? So there's generally, if things aren't going well, you give the short one-word answer to move the conversation on. There's a potential gap in communication of the other person. You get into the assumptions, right? Well, now, I, you know, I've been trained to figure, whoever says they're fine, they're not fine. If they say they're fine, then do I follow up? Like, now I know that there's something going on, but I think a lot of times then we just drop it. They didn't say it, and if they wanted to talk about it, they talk about it. And the other person is going, well, if they w- really wanted me to talk about it, they'd ask. The social norm of these initial questions is not perceived often as really being interested. So there's not these follow-up, well, doing fine is great, but I really want to know how you're doing. And I think there's a gap in our communication system of how do we let someone know that we're not just initiating the social norm or that we're expecting the couch responses or that it's really a, I'm really interested in hearing what's going on. That's a very good point. I know in treatment, I believe that's on me as your psychiatrist, your therapist, to sort of help with that because it is very typical 80%, 90% folks who, when we initially greet each other and we come into the room and say, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Because it's, it is, it's a very social norm. And it's sort of an icebreaker, right? Well, we've greeted each other, and it's up to me to sort of change that milieu of the session to say, well, that's nice, but then let's get into 
how you're really doing, how are you really feeling, what could be going better. And many people will often say, I'm just used to saying I'm fine, because that's what sort of people say. (laughs) And that sort of gets us back to that one of the thoughts I had when the silence is deafening. It's it's very loud. Silence is actually very loud. And that was the whole point of bringing up the silent chamber. People can't last in silence very long. When you encounter people who are silent, and it's so loud that most people tend to withdraw avoid and move away from that. Interesting when you get somebody who will sit there and tolerate that a little while with you because that allows a different aspect of things to happen so a different trigger has been placed in there and a lot of times that will allow the person to open up a little bit. Now it might be you need to let them sit in silence and say a couple things off and on during that time, like I'm fine sitting here for a little while. I'm just really interested in what you are thinking, what you'd like to say, but I can sit here for a while if you're uncomfortable right now. It's the cue that you're not done, right? So if I ask how you're doing and you say I'm fine and I don't respond, I'm telling you I want to know more, right? I'm giving you permission to continue versus interjecting and saying, oh, that's great. Or the more I engage, the more we're... I'm leading off topic to some degree versus just sitting there and saying, no, you have permission to keep going. And I have no expectations of where you're going to go. Right. And this also ties into what we've talked about a little bit last session about response versus remission is that I'm fine doing better. Well, you might be doing better, but our goal is to get you into remission, right? I need to explore deeper because you're We in our society aren't used to going that route. We're used to getting to, okay, everything's going fine. I can get throughout my day, so there's no big barriers, so I'm I'm doing okay. We want the room for depression to become the silent chamber. We want all the symptoms to go away. We don't want them to be heard. We don't want them to be felt. We want that to become the silent chamber. We don't want you to be in the silent chamber feeling all those symptoms coursing through your veins and your mind. It's a different approach. You know, you talked about what is the solution for mental health, right? Nobody knows. Well, we do know that if we can target remission, we have the best chance of people living the most fulfilling lives. For other people, silence is deafening, right, when you're dealing with this. But for the person experiencing these conditions, if they're trying to treat it with silence themselves, where they're not willing to engage it, it really becomes more of a silence is deadly, right? Where I went with it was I I went back to an early 2000s movie that's still quoted all the time, which is you don't talk about Fight Club, Oh, right? (laughs) And (laughs) I'm probably late to the game, or I'm completely wrong in my thought process of this. The movie portrays the whole thing as Fight Club being their underground fight ring, right? But it really starts out as, I'm fighting myself because that's the whole twist of the movie that he's in the parking lot punching himself. And it starts out with, you don't talk about this. You don't talk about the battle that you're having with yourself. So then he externalizes it into ways that are harmful to himself. And we see that a lot, right? That if you're not willing to engage yourself, you start picking up habits that aren't necessarily healthy. You drink more, you find your escapes and escapes aren't always the best way to, to handle the, the silent, the don't talk about your own fight club. Right. It's interesting because before we started on this podcast and we were just sitting here best talking, we said, oh, we're, at some point 
one of the podcasts is going to need to be about self-harm and look that subliminal thing was rolling around in your brain and out it comes that'll be very very interesting but you're right silence is deadly when it just goes on and on forever but you know what is really scary is change so when you've learned to live with silence for so long asking you not to do that and to do something different change for people is just so scary and so uncomfortable even if it means that things might be better on the other side. Because we know a lot of times when we ask people to go through some change, at first things get worse. I feel bad when I have to tell people this, but I said, you know, we're going to be on this treatment plan, and as we talk about these things, you're probably going to feel worse at at first. (laughs) They go, what? I came here to get better, and you're going to make me feel worse at first? Well, I said, you know, you got to get some of this stuff out. And that might be a good place to sort of stop because we've talked about silence is deafening. Then we've sort of transitioned and thrown in a little bit about self-harm. And now when I sort of break that silence, I might feel worse at first. So thank you very much for joining Dr. Walt Duffy and Matt Duffy on this episode of Mental Health Commute. Be sure to subscribe, download, and listen to the podcast. We appreciate it. Thank you.